myself again. Good afternoon and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is good to be back after a, a long-earned break and uh, delighted to be doing my first show back with uh, my good friend Mick Lowe's. How are you, Mick? I'm very good, Steve. You? Yes, mate. Very good. And uh, a point how in was, the how was that road? Oh, hey, mate. That was fantastic. Um, first... <laughs> First time all three studios have been open, so to be able to walk oh. around all three studios, control rooms a lot, was fascinating. I've got to be honest, quite emotional walking through those doors uh, in the footsteps of so many of my idols, um, mm. you know, and uh, just to see where they recorded some of the fantastic music that we've uh, all been blessed to listen to. So, yeah, fantastic, mate, great trip, and um, had a great time with the family as well. We did so many things down in London, Madame Tussauds and... Uh, Natural History Museum. We did a, a thing called the Sky Garden, which is free. So, yeah, wow, what a place to I've, go! I've got a mate who um, he's a he's a floor manager for the BBC, and um, uh, he's he's spent a lot of time covering the hundred recently. You know, down at Lords and the Oval, and he said, uh, "Any um, any suggestions where to go?" I said, "There's only one place to go. It's the best deal in London, and it is the Sky Garden because it's like you say, it's free. You have to book it." But it's phenomenal. I went, I went there two years ago, I think it was. Somebody put me onto it. Absolutely incredible. Anybody watching this, going to London, if you've not been to the Sky Garden, basically, you, you, you bang opposite the Shard. You're about three quarters of the height of the Shard. There's a restaurant in there, and it's just got the best views of London you've ever seen in your life. It is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'm lucky enough to have been at the top of the, uh, the you know, the, the various buildings around the world, but that was fantastic just to see yeah. London from that perspective. Well worth a visit, but uh, yeah, yeah. And enough of me holidays. They're now uh, yeah. in the distant past, and uh, so is that game yesterday uh, at home, of course, to Southampton. And um, yeah, I thought personally, Mick, a draw was a fair result. Well, I think I certainly think if you're if you're a Newcastle fan, you're taking the points, aren't you? Without a shadow of a doubt, if you're a Southampton fan you're probably thinking we could and should have had all, all three first half. You know, they dominated the game. Second half, Newcastle were better. It was sort of a juxtaposition to West Ham where they were they were, they were were good first half and then overrun second half last time at St James's. So, yeah, in the end, you take a point. And I have to say, going into the game, I mean, all right, it was only against Newport. But when you're playing a club that's just recorded its record ever away win, um, and they would have been really on a high. I, I don't care whether it was the Carabao Cup. I don't care what it was. Those sorts of results really give clubs a lift. Um, they got a point against Manchester United a week ago as well, Southampton. You know, they're again that sort of club that, that sell the best players, that somehow keep their head above water. They keep turning out players. They made what looks like a very good signing in Adam Armstrong. Um, and I think at the end of the day, bearing in mind where Newcastle are, you would have to take the point, bearing in mind that they got beat in midweek off off Burnley. We're looking for a first point of the season. Um, I think you probably have to take it. It's not ideal. It's not good. Gone are the days where you would take a Southampton game at, at St James's as an absolute cert three points. But that's where we are at the minute. And as you say, I think at the end of the day, you probably take the point and, and try and build on it, try and take some positives from it. Although I have to say, it's very difficult at this moment in time. And the first four games of the season, uh, as I mentioned on online this morning, have again thrown up way more questions than answers. We're, we're back where we are. We're back where we were. Um, let's see what happens. Three little letters uh, have dominated our season so far, Mick. V-A-R. Um, yeah. The old adage in football is these things level out over the course of a season, but it doesn't feel like that at the moment. No, and, and you're right, and they very definitely do. You know, you know, I've covered the game long enough to know that, you know, what comes around goes around and, and there will be an instant in the foreseeable future where Newcastle will benefit from VAR. I'm slightly disappointed that it, it seems like, it seems anyway, that, you know, despite this new um, approach to VAR following uh, the European Championships, Newcastle seem to be the only ones who are suffering from the old-fashioned VAR. That said, Steve, that said, I don't think anyone can have any major complaints with the penalty yesterday. I mean, e even the handball at Villa, you know, uh, I mean, I was listening to the game and I watched the extended highlights of the game and I was ready to scream and bawl and I was ready to feel really aggrieved 
And I looked at it and I thought, do you know what it is? I think it probably is. You know, even though it's harsh, even though there's not a lot of distance. You know, Lascelles' arm was out. Uh, there was one yesterday where the arm clearly wasn't out and it was waved away very quickly. So, you know, despite the... I think the, the one I would have, I would take umbrage with of all of them so far was probably the, the, the Callum Wilson one at Villa, where he's... I mean, that's not offside. I mean, you know, you're talking... I thought we were getting rid of the toenail offside and the pubic hair offside. You know, <laughs> he's either he's either offside or he's not offside. Then he gets clattered by the goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, there's an argument that says, well, you know, why does why wasn't the goalkeeper's yellow card rescinded if he was offside in the first place? So the thing's a mess. But that was the only one because that would have been a that would have been a penalty, which hopefully they would have converted. So I think in the main, although we're all screaming and shouting, oh, woe is me and VAR is done for Newcastle. Um, I don't really think it's as cut and dried as that. I just think we cause our own problems, Steve, as we caused our own problems yesterday. If you get a goal that gives you the lead in a game in stoppage time, if you can't see the game out, I'm sorry. It's got bugger all to do with VAR. It's that you can't see the game out and you can't manage the game. That said, the one thing I would say, and I'm, I don't think enough has been made of this, it was a pen, but Lascelles, you know, has got criticism and I'm not his biggest fan, but it's a challenge he has to make. But the reason he has to make the challenge, Steve, is, and again, this is what I'm saying about not enough's been made. There's a ball from Nathan Redmond into Armstrong, which is sublime, absolutely sublime. He threads the eye of a needle, Armstrong's onto it, Lascelles is committed, penalty, bingo. The, it, you know, their line should have been cleared long before that, but I don't think credit enough credit's been given to this ball, which Hussenthaler uh, uh, mentioned in his, in his interview afterwards. It's a, it's a fantastic ball. If he doesn't pass that, if he's not brave enough to, to try that pass into Armstrong, Newcastle win 2-1. So, you know, maybe, maybe there were mitigating circumstances other than VAR. I think what Alan Shearer and uh, Gary Lineker and the and the team pointed out on match of the day last night was the fact that in the build-up to that, um, that penalty as well, we gave the ball away, not once, not twice, but three times, Mick. Yeah, I mean, I saw that and, and, and I know it's easy and, you know, Big Al and, and Gary Lineker have, have played in, you know, in, 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 in good teams and in better teams and teams who have got better players who wouldn't make elementary mistakes like that. You know, believe me, having seen it, you know, enough football over the years, if if you're a, you know, for want of a better phrase, a bang average side who are desperate to win their first game um, and are under pressure from, you know, 50,000 to win that game. Believe me, you don't take a touch and look for Rosette. You, you know, you, you don't you don't think you don't think realistically. You don't think constructively. You just fling boots at it. You get rid of it. You try. You, you know, you are so desperate to win the game. You know, logic goes out the window. Man, you know, th this this phrase, this phrase, Steve, this is my favourite phrase of the last, what, 18 months, two years. Man management. It's all about man management. I mean, how many of these phrases do they have to come up with? You know, it's basically about seeing a game through. And if you are Newcastle and you are desperate for three points, believe me, a lot of logic and a lot of, sense goes out of the game in the final two minutes of added on time when you are desperate to win it you stick the ball anywhere you just fling a boot at it you do what you don't think logically so i know it's it, it's one of those things hindsight is a wonderful thing you know if you analyze any game if you analyze any goal if you analyze any mistake believe me if you rewind the tape far enough you'll find a mistake you'll find this you'll find that so Easier said than done. I know, you know, you respect everything that Big Al says, you know, and, and, and Lineker knows the game as well. But believe me, when you're seconds away um, from winning your first three points and winning a game of football, you know you probably shouldn't have won. Believe me, logic and sensibility and all that goes out the window. You, you're just flailing at the ball. You're trying to clear the ball. You're trying to see time out. And as I say, the Nathan Redmond ball into Armstrong is sublime. Yeah, certainly was. Um, you talk about the crowd. I mean, 44,000 there um, yesterday. And, you know, quite vociferous. Steve Bruce in his programme notes, 
uh, said that you know it was great to have the crowds back, great to have the fans back, and they hope to give them something to shout about. Um, they certainly did in the first half, poor performance, and the fans fans were on Bruce's back uh, in that mm. first half. Second half, I think it shows the fickleness of football fans, not just Newcastle, of course, but fans in general. Um, that you know, when when the going gets good, people forget about having a pop at the manager. But the fans weren't happy, and forty four thousand thousand Southampton fans, so that's forty three. Um, mm. Still nine thousand people not going to the games, Mick. And and and, not, and and nor should they. I mean, you know, this was. I mean, this is always a time of year. You know, he, you know, famously through through seasons in and seasons out. You know, this time of year there are people away. You know, you throw in the fact um, that that people are sick and tired of the owner. Um, they're not particularly happy with the manager, and they're obviously not happy with the results. So that that's going to drop off. But you know, forty four thousand allowing for the fact that it's the last week of August, kids are going back to school, kids are on holiday, you know, that there are mitigating circumstances. I mean, I always famously, famously, every every first fortnight of a football season, crowds were down because people were away on holiday. People were elsewhere. They had other things to do. You know, believe me, even if the results don't change, the, the, the crowds will pick up by one or two thousand uh, in the next fortnight because people are back from the holidays. Um, but they've every right to be, you know, annoyed. They've every every right to be upset. But, but you know, my overriding question would be, are you genuinely surprised? Are, you know, are you, are you really, really um, surprised that this has been the start of the season? West Ham are a very good team. West Ham are a good team. Aston Villa away, you should get more from Aston Villa away. Burnley in the League Cup, forget it. I mean, I just, I don't know why the Carabao Cup, League Cup, call it what you will. I'm not sure that it serves a purpose anymore because nobody treats it properly. Nobody treats it with respect. Again, Steve Bruce comes out and says, we're going to try and win the cup. We're going to try and win a trophy. And then they make nine changes. He's not the only one. They, they, all, they, all, they all do it. I'm sorry. If you're Burnley, didn't want to, Burnley didn't want to win it either, Nick. Abso absolutely. Absolutely. 100% Steve. And you watch these games now and it's like, God, please, you know, you, 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 you win it. No, no, you win it. No, you go, you win it. You know, it's, it's like, you know, how can you genuinely say we want to win a cup and then make nine changes? Don't kid us. Don't 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 be don't give us all this nonsense about I need I need to give squad players a game. If you want to win the cup, it's very simple. You field your strongest team when round three comes around, when we're on round four, five, six, whatever. If you want to win it properly, do it properly. In the same way, and I'll take this on board as a slight tangent. If you want to win a penalty shootout, Steve, take a penalty properly. Don't take a two-yard run-up and then sling a boot at it and hit the keeper about three feet from where he's standing or give it to a guy who you wouldn't give a penalty to Almiron if he was the last person in the squad for me. You know, it, it, you know again, if you want to do it properly, do it properly. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't give penalties to players who you don't think will convert. Don't give a start to players who don't care and you'll get through and you'll get through to the next round and maybe by the time you get to the quarterfinals and the semi-finals you might meet a proper team but you're not going to meet a proper team and you know you're not going to meet a proper team in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup so don't tell us don't tell us you want to win it and make nine changes yeah exactly I would agree with that and I, th I think you're right I, I agree with your assessment of the opening games I think West Ham um, essentially you know the, the, the league position doesn't lie they've had a great start the yeah. season David, David Moyes is continuing you know where he left off last season and um, you know the Carabao Cup it's not a priority for Newcastle in the current circumstances no. Premiership survival is and um, unfortunately as, as down and, and as depressing as that sounds it's a reality I'm afraid and um, yeah it's uh, I think we are where we are we're 15th thanks to the uh, the fact that Arsenal have got off to a horrendous start Norwich have got off to a predictable horrendous start and um, yeah I, I, this is where we're at unfortunately as a, as a football club and you mentioned it there Steve I mean you touched upon it there you know Newcastle are 15th because amongst others Arsenal have had an even more horrendous start this will be the same Arsenal that sold as a fella for £25 million. Now, tell me how that works. Give me the logic behind that. Because, you know, part of me says um, Joe Willock has demanded to leave. Another part of me says Arsenal don't rate him. Uh, another part of me thinks that Newcastle wanted him on loan. And this is the bit that I think is genuinely true. Arsenal 
were prepared to let him go for money, but weren't prepared to let him go on loan. Newcastle wanted him on loan because it saves money. But Arsenal said, right, sod it. If, you're, if you want him that badly, we don't really want to let him go, but we're prepared to let him go because we need to put £25 million towards another player. But otherwise, the whole the, the Willock Arsenal, the way Arsenal have started, the way Arsenal look at the minute, why would you sell one of your best players? And why, as one of your best players, would you want to go to a club who are, at this minute in time, almost certain to finish bottom half? Yeah, yeah, it's a strange situation. Uh, okay, as always, plenty of questions flying in for you, Mick. So we'll try and get through as many as we can, try and mix them up a little bit. Um, Tom, I'm not sure Mick can even answer the first part of your question. When will our bad run end? Um, I'll mm. probably say it ended yesterday. We've got a 1-1 draw mm. against Southampton. But why is Bruce playing five at the back? It doesn't seem to be working, Mick. Well, it's, it's funny, Steve, because when, when you were reading those questions, and you say you might not be able to answer the first and I might not be able to answer either. But I'll, I'll tell you something that has a bearing on both sides of, of, the, of the question. And it was the point that I was going to make before you came up with the second half of the question. The way to end the run is to find two centre-backs who you trust and two orthodox full-backs who are good enough to play in the Premier League. Because all of Newcastle's problems at this minute in time essentially come down to the fact that they can't defend to save their lives. It was like Keystone Cops on occasion yesterday. I mean, you know what made me laugh? You know the business about the Gineppo miss? And everyone's calling it the miss of the season. It'll be on every football blooper tape for time immemorial. You'll like, Ronnie, like Ronnie Rosenthal. <laughs> yeah, you'll, 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 you'll never see a miss like it. Well, I'll tell you something, Steve. If you look back at that, if you look back two or three seconds before Gineppo sticks it over the top from five yards, there is some of the most comical defending you'll ever see in your life. It was like a gentleman's excuse me. You know, the ball goes in the box. One air kicks, the other air kicks. The ball runs loose, it's squared, and Gineppo puts it over the top. It was absolute farcical defending, farcical defending. And it happens all the time. And the problem is they keep playing three at the back simply because, as I say, he can't find two centre-backs he trusts and he can't find two full-backs who are good enough. So, as it stands, he's mixing and matching three from maybe five or six centre-backs, um, one of whom doesn't want to play out of the middle of the cells. The others are just floating. And then he has to find two wing-backs, which at this minute in time are essentially uh, Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie, and neither of those are defenders. So we haven't got a defender in the side down the flanks. Neither of them are, are, are proper defenders. Neither of them smell danger. Again, yesterday, the, the, the Southampton first goal. Ball comes into the box. Matt Ritchie, bless him, who was absolutely key in our survival last season because of what he did in and around the pitch, the way that he motivated players, the way he got a grip of players, the way that he chipped in with the odd goal. Honestly, as a defender, he has absolutely no idea. He was caught under the ball against uh, against West Ham. His lack of tracking on the penalty, the penalty saved by Woodman. Poor old Matt Ritchie, because he doesn't think like a defender, just stands yeah. and West Ham players run past him. Yesterday, likewise, the, the, West, the, the Southampton equalising goal, when the ball comes into the box, the lad just runs past him and taps it in. Again, he doesn't smell and sense danger. Defending is coached out of these players now, Steve. You know, they, they don't think like defenders because they're told that they need to play the ball. The other side of the coin is, you watch Newcastle's first goal, or no, second goal, the, the St. Maximum goal, the ball, the diagonal ball, which is eventually knocked back across or knocked down by Shah, is brilliant, you know? But he's a centre-half. You know, he's pinging balls on the diagonal like Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> We don't want you to do that. We want you to stop Southampton at the other end or West Ham or Aston Villa. So going back to the question, the only way this run will stop, the only way that they'll sort out their defence is when they find four or five, personally it would be me, for me it would be four defenders who can defend, who play like defenders, who think like defenders, but believe me, they're nowhere to be found. And Steve Bruce, I'm absolutely certain, would love to go out because he knows defenders better than he knows any position on the pitch. He would love to go out and buy a couple. 
what chance has he got? Absolutely zero. Because the guy with the purse strings has got his hands in his pockets and they're not going to move anytime soon. Yeah, Darren Cowan's asking, uh, how long does Steve Bruce survive this? He thinks Man United, we've got Leeds before that, of course. We'll batter us, sack him now and bring in Lampard. I think the fact that you've just said that the, the owner has got his hands in his pockets and won't spend any money on players uh, probably uh, is also uh, something that you could say about the fact he won't want to spend money on sacking Steve Bruce. So he's there for the duration. Steve, I don't want to sound like a scratch record. But, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work it out. You know it. I know it. I would hope, I would hope everybody watching this knows it. The problem at Newcastle United again and again and again and again is not Steve Bruce. The problem is Mike Ashley. The problem is the owner. It Correct. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you bring in. You could bring in Christ Almighty. You could bring in Mother Teresa. You could bring in Joan of Arc. But it wouldn't matter because they would have to work with a fella who doesn't give a toss, who doesn't doesn't care about the football club, and as a result, will not put his hand in his pocket. And whether we like it or not, football these days is all about finance. Football these days is all about buying and selling and playing the game and working the market and paying inflated prices for players who are maybe not worth it. But that's what you have to do. And as a result, you get yourself a squad together that might just cause one or two problems. But until that change happens, it doesn't matter. And Steve Bruce will go at some point. You know, I said before, he was the luckiest man alive to, to, to keep his job last season. You know, they then turned it round. It's now going against him. And if in five or six games time, um, you know, they still haven't won a game in their first eight or nine, you know, he quite rightly will come under pressure and they should quite rightly look elsewhere. The problem is it doesn't matter, Steve. It doesn't matter if they persuade a very, very, very good manager with a very good CV, although why on earth they would take the job to work with Mike Ashley, I don't know. But if they bring, even if they bring somebody in, the transfer window will be shut and you're left with what you've got. Yeah, agree. Keith Longworth, uh, he says, Mick, the way we are playing, do you think we will be relegated? It's another crystal ball question, Mick. Again, you know, I think we said a month ago, didn't we, that, that you know, the... The, 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 the predictable favourites in terms of uh, the bookies and relegation would be the promoted sides. And then, lo and behold, Brentford beat Arsenal first game of the season. You know, Watford looked very good. I'm led to, but I think, did I read somewhere yesterday that Watford assigned Moussa Sissoko? Uh, yeah, um, I think that was I'm right. Having, I think yeah. certainly he was linked to him, yeah. Yeah, I've got a mate who's a Watford fan who was jumping up and down about signing Moussa. So, you know, Moussa Sissoko, you know, I mean, you know, Norwich City, I must admit, they you'd fear for them because, you know, and, and this is maybe an argument against everything I've just said. They they don't spend money because they work within what they decide are their financial limits. And they don't want to bust the bank and Delia and her crew are quite happy to spend a season every three in the championship and then bounce back. You can't do that at Newcastle. You can't do that. The weight of expectation, it's a, you know, it's, it's a bigger club. Um, but, you know, slowly but surely that that whole mantra and that whole argument begins to dissipate as well. It, you've just, we just need a change of ownership, Steve. But it's been too long now. It's been too long now. And, and, and is he genuinely trying to get out of the club? You know, what one, one takeover bid fails and another takeover bid fails. And you just wonder, how how genuine is he in selling the club? I mean, the first thing you would do, right, if you were genuine, for, to, to my mind, is you would reduce the price, wouldn't you? If you really wanted to get out of the football club. You know, because as I've said before, it really isn't as fantastic a club as it is. The way that it is at the minute, the, the, the level of success they've had of late, it's not a club that's worth the amount of money, the 300 million that he wants. If he lowered the price, just for the sake of a sale, to 150, 200 million, he would get his money back, he would cut his losses, he would get out of town. Then maybe you would attract buyers. Then maybe you would attract people who would think, right, okay, I'm prepared to pay 150, 200 million for Newcastle. Because believe me, the majority of people, the majority of prospective buyers are sitting around thinking, I'm not paying 300 pounds for Newcastle United. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get anything back for my for my return, other than, you know, a fantastic football club with a fantastic fan base. But is it going to win anything anytime soon? 
because at the end of the day, you, you can spend the 300 million, but then you're going to have to spend another 300 million, 400 million, 500 million on bringing the squad up to speed. So I don't know. I don't know. He needs to get. He, need, he, he, he needs to go. But we've said it a million times. Yeah, and that's not happening anytime soon, I don't think. Darren Cowan says, rumours of Bruce not going in for a team talk at half-time. This can't be true, can it? I wouldn't believe everything you hear on social media, grapevines. Um, and, and look, people, we've seen it before. Managers sometimes have different ways of doing things. Sometimes they go in and throw teacups around a la Jim Smith. Other times, you know, they might choose not to go in because it sends a strong message how annoyed people are. Whatever happened at half-time yesterday certainly had the desired effect. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know there were there were those you know somewhat damning pictures uh, of Steve Bruce stood outside. When I say stood outside, I mean stood away from um, the the sort of the the circle of players and coaches discussing who was going to take the penalties against Burnley. You know, he he didn't get involved in that, and it didn't look good. But like you say, quite rightly, different managers do it different ways. You know, and, and I've come on here before, and I've said as much as. You know, you can criticise the results and you can criticise, you know, some of the some of the tactics. You can criticise some of the team selection. What you can't criticise is, I don't think anyway, uh, you know, the, the man's heart is in the right place. I, you know, I genuinely believe he wants what's best for, for, for Newcastle United. And, and it was interesting yesterday because prior to the to the Newcastle game, I watched Nottingham Forest against Derby. And, you know, I, I grew up with Forest. I grew up in the East Midlands. And I don't know Steve Bruce very well, but I know Chris Hewton very well. And I think we all know everyone in the Northeast has that level of respect for Chris Hewton. I watched Chris Hewton yesterday. He's scratching his head. He's pulling his hair out. He's, he's having a real tough time at Nottingham Forest, a club who, you know, a bit like Newcastle, have had great days in the past. A bit like Newcastle at that level, you know, they pull 25,000 every home game. You know, it, that's not big, but that is as much as the city ground holds. You know, they have two European Cups. There is a weight of expectancy. But believe me, he is really struggling. And they look awful yesterday. And I, and, I, and I fear for him long term at Nottingham Forest. But like Newcastle, well, I say like Newcastle, they've had plenty of changes of manager. But they have, you know, they've also had changes of owner as well. They're a, they're a dysfunctional football club. Newcastle are a dysfunctional football club, but they have the same owner. But does Chris Hewton care? My God, he cares. Is Chris Hewton a proper football man? Absolutely, 100%. And I think the same applies to Steve Bruce. And this is where you start asking yourself, never mind the owner, never mind the manager, what about the players? Do the players care enough? I watched these Forest players yesterday, Steve. They, 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 they ride off the back, these championship players that they're allegedly playing in the most competitive and the most difficult league in the world. Nonsense. They're all on 20,000 plus a week minimum, which means they're all millionaires. Do they look like they care? Do they look like they're putting it in? No. Premier League, likewise, you know, up the ante to 30, 40,000 pound a week. You know, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that life is too easy for Premier League footballers and Premier League footballers don't care enough. I have no doubt about that. Some do, some more than others. But essentially, the problem for me is not with it. Well, it is in Newcastle's case with an owner and, and owners, obviously, you know, are the ones who put the money in. But I think coaches and managers suffer at the hands of players who really do not care as much as they do. Yeah, I would agree. Tom Lynch says Bruce kicked off at fans outside St James's Park. Anybody know any more about this? This really comes, Tom, from a, a tweet that was put out last night by a, a young lady called Beth, Beth NUFC3. Um, and it, it, look, this I'll read it out. Um, this, this just sounds like a frank exchange of views to me. A man just told Steve Bruce to get out of the club. Steve pulled over to have it out with him, heard some home truths and had nothing to say back, back to them. Uh, I did have to tell him that if he had any dignity, he'd have left the club that he apparently supports before it gets even worse he in response wound up his window and drove off um that's it it doesn't sound like he kicked off with supporters these things again happen we've, we've heard it many times um you know with players being accosted lee john he was accosted by a fan i remember um you know walking in the street away from the club um you know over the last few years see, and these things happen see i'll give you a better example 
well, not a better example because it's a, it's a, it's a sad, sad indictment of the society we live in. But it is, it is as pertinent as everything you've said. And I read those tweets, and I thought, well, fair, fair play to, to Steve Bruce. He wanted to hear what they said, and then didn't want to get involved. Chris Whitty, the guy who's trying to save this country from COVID, yeah. gets accosted, gets accosted in a park. Right? Forget football. Forget Steve Bruce. Forget Lee Charnley. If you want a measure of where we are with some people in society these days, the Chris Whitty thing was that, I mean, you know, what, what, what goes through these people's heads? You know, I don't, you know, I think I, I found it. Actually, I found that whole um, tweet conversation this morning in a strange way, mildly reassuring that a guy said in a very civil way, get out. Steve Bruce pulled over, wound down the window. The guy, in a very civil way, said, if you had any dignity, I think you'd leave. Steve Bruce must have thought twice about replying and, and giving him the time of day. Um, and in the end said, you know, right, OK, I'm just going to drive off. But he wanted to hear what the guy said. The guy wasn't unreasonable. And this is the problem that we have, Steve, you know, going back to players and going back to football in general. They're just not accountable enough anymore. When we were kids, they lived up the street. You saw them in the shops. I, I, I remember. I, you got the bus to the ground with them. <laughs> I, I tell you what. I tell you what. I remember one of one of my, one of my favourite stories is Peter Beardsley, one of the one of the greatest players who ever pulled on a black and white shirt. He told me one day he was queuing for a lottery ticket with his daughter in Tesco's or Sainsbury's, and a little old lady behind him went, "How oh, wait, pet? You've got enough money. Get out. Go on." You don't need a lottery ticket. Get on, get out, you know. And and they had an argument. And in the end, Pedro walked away. But, you know, they, they were accountable. They were, they, they're proper people. They were proper people. You know, the McMartins and the, and the John Andersons still live in, in the Northeast. And they live there because they love it and they respect the people. You know, does your modern day footballer do that? Does your modern day footballer want to go out and face the music? Some do, some don't, you know. You know, going back to my favourite topic of conversation, Pardew. Pardew just, he, he, I remember saying to me, I love it when I go out and I fill my car full of petrol because someone will tell me I'm shy. Somebody will tell me, you know, keep up the good work. Somebody will tell me I should do this. Somebody should tell me I should do that. But I love it. I love the interaction because they were old school. You know, the problem is people nowadays in football, they think they're over and above the people who ultimately, ultimately pay their money, pay their wages. Uh, and that's sad. Really is sad. Yeah, very sad indeed. Big shout out to our sponsor, SpiderVPN, who've been with us for the last few months and are continuing their sponsorship into September. Thank you, lads. Uh, much appreciated. And to uh, skipsandbins.com, uh, uh, you can find them at 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Uh, big thanks to Scott as well for continuing their support into September. Also, big thank you to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 01913897245, and Darren Baldwin Funerals, uh, Independent Funeral Directors. Uh, you can contact them on 0191478273 email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk uh, website www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk Also, big shout out to John uh, from QTech, qtechshop.co.uk uh, The makers of pool tables and stuka tables and walls end. John's in the chat today and uh, recovering very well from COVID. Looking forward to catching up with you this week, my friend. And to Jab Signature, who make all of our flyers. Thank you, John, and good luck with the launch of your new boxing range. First time visitor to the channel, then click onto the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. And that's it. You can subscribe for free. Hit the thumb up to like the video and click share to share to your social media. Drop into the comments to uh, ask a question. We'll try and get through of as many of them as possible. Also, just want to thank uh, Daz, uh, Chris and uh, Pete for holding the fort while I was away. And a big shout out to Liam Kennedy as well for jumping on the show on Tuesday. I uh, hope uh, you enjoyed promoting Loaded Football. And I'll do the same myself. Loaded Mag uh, is uh, available on their own YouTube channel. Uh, give them a subscription. Always some different stuff. They did a fascinating interview with Sean Custis last night. So uh, give the guys a follow. Give them a subscription. 
uh, always well worth uh, looking at some of these other shows that they're up and about. Okay, um, we'll try to get to a few more questions. Joe Walker says, Mick, is this mm. as bad as it gets? I'm failing to see a plan, any intent, any tactics or any hope. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are slightly mitigating circumstances. I mean, I think the last time I was on, Steve, I talked about um, midfield um, and it was just after, I think, Joe Willock had signed. Um, and I did say that Personal personal opinion, I quite like the, the thought of a midfield three of uh, Isaac Hayden, who I quite like, who who wins it, uh, gets it, gives it, you know, no-nonsense sort of player. Um, John Joe Shelby, who again, some people like, some people don't, but I'm a fan. I think he's the one person who has got that little bit of extra, um, little bit of X factor. Um, and I think, he, you know, all right, sometimes he over-elaborates the passing and he... He plays the million-dollar ball a bit too much. But I like him. I like his intent. I like the fact that he's capable and he's definitely got ability. And then Joe Willock. So, I think where we were was probably about a week before the season started. I said I quite like the thought of Hayden moving it on to Shelby. Shelby picking a pass. Willock making late runs. Willock hopefully scoring the sort of goals from deep and late runs that, that that he made last season and scored last season. Unfortunately... We haven't had those three available at any one moment in time. I mean, it might be that Steve Bruce has no intention of playing those three together. But but either way, we've had two of the three, but we've never had all of the three. Almiron leaves me completely cold, Steve. I'll, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, I like his work ethic. I like his I like his mentality. I, I, I think he's a nice kid. But I'm sorry, he'll he, he's just not he's just not up to it. He's just not. I don't think his brain. Um, is that of a standard that you need in the Premier League? I think he runs around. I think he's 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 he's, he's like I say, he's hard working. But as a player, I'm sorry, I would I would have him nowhere near my first team. So if I think to myself, I've got Hayden, Shelby, um, and then I've got Willock, and then I've got my two boys up top who you, you can't even think about leaving alone, even though some maximum I was. I just hated the penalty, um, and I do I do get frustrated by him. The other the other guy's gold dust. The other guy. I mean, having said that, if if Wilson puts away the chance at Aston Villa, I've I've got a I've got a sneaky feeling that the the the, the outcome might have been different. But you can't you, you you can't you can't pick and choose about Callum Wilson because Callum Wilson is solid gold, proper footballer. Um, so so that if you've got those five. If you've got Hayden, you've got Shelby, you've got Willock, you've got St. Maxim, and you've got um, Callum Wilson. It comes back to everything I've just said. Can't we, can't we find four or five defenders? Can't we find four, you know, centre-halves and full-backs who can at least be the little Dutch boy who puts his finger in the dike? I don't know. Paul Dummett, I, I want Paul Dummett fit again. Because Dummy, you know, even though he might not be a world beater, he's a proper player. He's a proper player. And I would seriously think about putting him in at centre-back, never mind full-back. But I think he's a proper player who we need back. But if we can find, if we can find four defenders, I like Woodman. You know, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's done too much wrong. I mean, talk about baptism of fire, bless him. You know, you know a month ago or six weeks ago, he's nowhere near the first team. He's probably not even thinking about whether he's definitely got going to play the season out at Newcastle. He ends up first team keeper. I think he'll only grow. I know him slightly. I know his dad better. I think he's a mature young man, and I think he'll go on to be a really, really good goalkeeper. And he's somebody we should hang on to. And I don't think he's been he's been responsible for anything in terms of you know mistakes for goals. He saved a penalty which we really should have cleared um, once he'd saved it. So, so, so Woodman, I'm happy with. So, when I think about the fact that there's six of the eleven who um, I have no problem with whatsoever, can we not then find five others? Um, so, I, I, I don't think I don't think it's all doom and gloom. That said, Steve, the one thing I would say is I don't believe those, or I don't agree with those who say this is a much better squad. This is a really this is a good squad that is underperforming. Because of the manager, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe no, that at all. It's, I think, it's a, I 
It's a weekend squad for me. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's a capable squad. It's been enhanced by Willock signing. But then again, we had Willock for the, for, the, for the last three months of last season. So it hasn't, it hasn't been strengthened. It has been weakened by those that have been injured in the early part of the season. So I don't know. But I don't, I, while, I don't, while I don't agree um, that it's better and it's being uh, negated by Steve Bruce's tactics, I also think at the same time it's good enough. It's good enough to finish somewhere between you know, 12 and 10. Well, luckily, really, we've got a, a bit of a break now because Callum Wilson, although he's, he's vital at the team, is fragile, really fragile. He went down in the first half. He had, yeah. you know, he seemed to be getting a bit of massage to the thigh. Uh, went off on the 69th minute mark yesterday to be replaced by Joe Linton, who obviously contributed something to the game by the pullback for, yeah. for, for, for the goal. But, yeah, Wilson, is he really has to be treated with, with kit gloves, doesn't he, this season, it seems. Gold dusty. Absolute gold dust. It, it is the key to it all. I mean, you know, I mean, once upon a time we had we had the best centre forward in in the world, you know. Um, but believe it or not, believe it or not, even though even though we had the most expensive footballer in the world and we had the Premier League's greatest ever goalscorer, we weren't anywhere near as dependent on Big Al as we are on Callum Wilson. Callum Callum, Callum Wilson is a more important number nine. To Newcastle at this moment in time than Alan Shearer ever was, ever was, because he had good players around him. You know, as it stands, um, we need Callum Wilson to score goals. I mean, the header yesterday, we, you know, which, which is saved. You know, more often than not, he'll hit the target. You know, he's a he's a proper player. And and and, and interestingly, on the subject of proper players, because we had this conversation in the middle of the summer where we talked about Adam Armstrong. And you talked about his sell-on fee and the fact that he looked like he was going to leave Blackburn and should Newcastle invest him. And, and I talked about, you know, back in the day, you know, watching him come through as a player and telling my 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 niece, my uh, my sister's little girl, that when she came up to St James's Park one day, don't keep the picture of you with Kabai, don't keep the picture of you with Sissoko, keep the picture of you with the little fella. The little 16, 17, whatever he was at the time, because he could be a proper player. And I'll tell you, he's he's meandered a little, but I watched him yesterday. He's a proper player. Adam Armstrong, proper player. You know, does everything properly, low centre of gravity, good finisher, may never be a sort of 20 goal a season Premier League footballer, but he does it properly. He does it properly. And we look at some of the players that we've got and they're hit and miss. Um, and Armstrong isn't that. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will be, yeah. Uh, and as for Almiron, just before I take uh, Yano's question uh, or comment, um, yeah, I would agree. I just, you know, the best we saw Almiron play was probably under Rafa with uh, Perez and Rondon. Um, different formations suit different players, but I agree, yeah. even before that, you know, a lot of energy, playing with a smile on his face, but, you know, he, he probably flatters to deceive. I, I would agree with you there. Yano says, can we finally all agree Lascelles is an absolute liability? Mm. Um, I, I mean, obviously, horrendous mistake yesterday. He had, a, he had what I call Taylor-itis, a bit of Stevie, Stephen Taylor acting comes into play. When he knows he's made a rick, he suddenly starts, ah, he's the injured party. And you knew before VAR had even been, you know, announced on the screen that, that he'd yeah. made a rick. It's a great, great analogy, Steve. It's a, it's, it's, it's a really good... It never crossed my mind before, but it made me smile when you said it. He is. He is Stephen Taylor incarnate. He, he really is. And, and the reason for that, Stephen Taylor's a better player for starters. Much, much better player. By yeah. Player. But what Stephen Taylor did that Jamal Lascelles did, but Stephen Taylor had more to back it up with. Stephen Taylor talked a good game. Stephen Taylor knew how to win fans over. Stephen Taylor knew how to speak the language. Stephen Taylor knew how to keep fans on side. Jamal Lascelles started out doing that. I remember doing the interview. I can, oh, I famously remember that, that we got beat at Southampton one season and I interviewed him afterwards. And I basically, I, I gave him the opportunity to say, we're not good enough. This is a, this is, this is a disgrace. The fans deserve better. They've travelled 700 miles. And he did all that and it was good. And, and I think it genuinely at the time was from the heart. But what he realised that day, Steve, is that you can win over a percentage of Newcastle fans by saying the things that they want to hear. 
and he's never stopped doing it since. And he's never come on and never gone on as a player. He, he is still somebody who will always make a mistake. I'm not saying, I, I know yesterday he gave the penalty away, but I wouldn't criticise him for that. I'll go back to everything I've said today about the ball from Redmond into Armstrong. Armstrong is, a, is you know, because he's got that low centre of gravity, he's, he's killed it, he's taken it under control. It's a lunge from the cells, but I, do, I really don't think he can do anything else. But he is, and he scored a couple of goals at the end of last season, which helped save Newcastle. But he is very hit and miss. And do you know the one thing I always go back to with Jamal Gasells without wanting to sort of overly criticise him? Because I honestly don't think he's any worse or any better than probably five other centre-halves in that squad. When he first joined the club, Steve, he was let on loan from Nottingham Forest by by Stuart Pearce. So Stuart Pearce, who was one of the greatest defenders England's known, in the last 20 years, let Carl Darlow and Jamal Lascelles go on loan to Newcastle. He didn't want him back. He didn't want anything to do with him. Jamal Lascelles, in the end, you know, signed full-time. But that was while Stuart Pearce... Now, if Stuart Pearce is telling you he doesn't think Jamal Lascelles is good enough for Nottingham Forest, I think the writing was on the wall then. Yeah, I would agree, mate. Um, Michael Kelly says, Hi, Mick, where does Gale fit into the squad? As Bruce won't play him, what was the point in keeping him? And I think that's one thing that people automatically see when Callum Wilson comes off. Surely you're going to put him on. He's like for like. You know, he can score goals. He's a fox in the box. He's quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, he brings Big Joe on. Um, he played his part in the goal. I've mentioned it already. Yeah, he did. Right? He did. Ryan Fraser seemed to impress yeah. A lot of the fans who watched the Burnley game, uh, he yeah. came on, played played a decent part yesterday. I, I, yeah. You know, with, with the exception of the way we went to sleep to, to concede the penalty, I thought Bruce got his substitutions right yesterday. Yeah. I mean, of, of, of those three, I agree. I, I agree. I can't, I can't help thinking that there has, to be a fl- there has to be a player again in there with Ryan Fraser. Ryan Fraser did too much at Bournemouth. He impressed too much for there not to be a player in there. You know, there has to be. There has to be. You know, he is on his day a very, very good player. Um, you know, in, in terms of the others, Joel Linton, you're right. Joel Linton, you know, played a part in that goal yesterday. Brought it down for once, for once, you know, decided that he needed to take his time, kill it, bring it under control, roll it in, goal materialises. And likewise, with, with Dwight Gale, I think we know the problem. The problem is, and with the best will in the world, I, d- I don't see any evidence that counters this. He's a very good player at championship level, and he continually proves it. He goes down to the championship, whether at, not, uh, at Newcastle or somewhere else. He scores goal at championship level. He scores prolifically at championship level. But when he goes back to the Premier League, he's just not up to it. And it goes back to, to Almiron. You know, that might that might be a little bit unkind on Dwight Gale, who I think on occasions can be a very good player. But but I always remember, again, going back to, to my mate Pardew, I think Pardew said to me one time, you know, Dwight Gale in the championship will score goal after goal after goal. And he does. The point that you made is a good one. Why, when you know he's not going to score goals in the Premier League, do you keep him? Um, and, and you offer him another, you know, he's got a contract extension or at the end of the day, you're paying his wages when really either the manager's not going to play him or when he does play, he's just not good enough. Yeah, Ginger, you always make some good points, mate. He says, uh, can't we play a four at the back? Um, you know, with, with a, a you know a centre defensive midfielder playing an anchor role to sweep up attacks. I mean, this is the this is the the one thing I think that people scratch their heads with with Bruce. He's been in the game for a long time. He always tells us he's been in twenty plus years as a manager. He's been there, done it, got the t-shirt, playing in one of the best um, English teams of our time, Manchester United, in the back four. Yeah, and yet he four. seems yet yet he seems unable to adapt to other formations. And that's not just his fault. It's everybody who's in around him, I guess. But but what does that tell you, Steve? You know what that tells me is? Because the man is not stupid. The man is, and I've said before, the man wants this thing to work. The man wants to make Newcastle work, even if it's just for his own devices, even if it's, for, even if it's just for his own sanity. He wants it to work. 
Now, if he knew that there was a way to make it work, and if the way to make it work was to pick a back four, believe me, he'd pick the bleeding thing. He would pick a back four. He, he would suddenly wake up at two o'clock in the morning, bolt upright in bed and go, what the hell am I doing? I've got him, him, him and him. That's a back four. End of problem. He hasn't got it, Steve. He hasn't got it. He hasn't got, as I said, at the right at the top of this programme, what he needs more than anything are two central defenders he can trust and two fullbacks, orthodox fullbacks, who are good enough. And he hasn't got either. He hasn't got either. If anybody now can, can, can send a text saying that's a back four that can be trusted and is good enough in the Premier League, you're a better man than me. Paul Dummett, I would stick in. But, you know, God bless him. You know, Dummy's no world beater, but he's a but at least he's a proper defender. You know, where's your right back? Who, who do you play at right back? You know, we're, we're, we're putting square pegs in round holes. You're two centre-backs. You know, you've got some who can play the ball. And the, the problem is, as I mentioned earlier, Steve, defending is being coached out of players. There's no longer an art in defending. There's no longer... You, if, if you went down the training ground, mark my words, you wouldn't play defence against attack. It would be attack against attack. And you still, you know, you watch games at the third level of English football and you watch the goalkeeper roll it out. And he rolls it out to the centre-back, who plays it to the full-back, who gives it back to the centre-back. There's, there's no defenders anymore. And that's what Newcastle need at this minute in time. They need to stop conceding goals. Because unless they stop conceding goals, they're never going to win a game of football. Matty Longstaff, of course, uh, off to Aberdeen. Um, good, good move for him in in the short term. As you know, obviously it's a loan. It's good, I guess, for him to get regular football. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. If you if you're a Matty Longstaff or you're whoever, you're probably probably just grateful of the opportunity to go elsewhere and, and, and being able to 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 show you know what you can do. Um, and, and and show your skill set. All right, you're showing it at a lower level, you know, with all with all due respect, you know, to Aberdeen and the Scottish Premier League. I don't think, you know, you're not you're not comparing like for like, you know. But but if he goes if he goes to Aberdeen and he has a couple of good games for Aberdeen against Rangers and uh, Celtic Hearts, whoever, you know, then fair play to him. But you know, I, I I suspect you know Matty Longstaff and his people are absolutely delighted. To, you know, to get away from the madhouse that, that that is Newcastle at this minute in time, to try and show what he can do, to try and show, you know, that that he's that he, that he's a proper player, um, because at this minute in time, unless Newcastle, you know, manage to click or manage to find um, a team that works for them, um, you're better off elsewhere at the minute in terms of your own progression as a player. Hi, afternoon, Thomas. Thanks for your for your message. Um, yeah. Dubravka as well, it seems there's been more complications and this is going to cause issues for Bruce, you know, with his squad, isn't it? I mean, you know, potentially, you know, looking at, I've heard, obviously, the rumour mill that he's looking at another goalkeeper. I mean, he's already got Darlow long-term yeah. sick with long COVID. You know, Woodman, I don't think he's done much wrong. Um, I think he needs to be a little bit more commanding in his box. Yeah, but other than that, I think he's, I think he's OK. Um, Gillespie, of course, is just happy to sit on the bench because he's a Newcastle fan, just be part of it. But he's, he's clearly not in Bruce's plans. But, you know, it, it does look as if it's, you know, it does look as if this is a major problem with Dubravka. Well, it's a major... I'll tell you why it's a major problem, Steve, because... And Steve Bruce has said this, and he said it more than once, and it just it frightens me in many ways that this is how bad it get, this is how bad it's got. That he's talking about having to name four goalkeepers in his twenty-five man squad. So basically, you're, you're you're giving up a place in your squad of an outfield player, and whether we like it or not, nobody needs four goalkeepers in the squad. Nobody, you know. Once upon a time, you you, you barely needed two goalkeepers in the squad. You know, once upon a time, your, your, your first choice goalkeeper played three hundred odd games. I mean, you know, to, to, off the top of my head, Newcastle and uh, and, and and Steve Harper and, and and Shea Given. You know, they they must have played the arse end of five hundred games between them, um, and nobody else got a look in. And all of a sudden, we're having to give two places in the squad to two more goalkeepers. He's now talking about signing a goalkeeper. I just think you have to be brave. I think you have to be brave and say. 
do we think Woodman's going to be potentially our first choice? If we don't think he's going to be our first choice, then you say to yourself, right, Darlow and Dubravka at some point in the foreseeable future, surely, will be fit again and, and, and healthy again. Um, and you don't waste a place on, presumably, Gillespie or if he's thinking of bringing somebody in. But but to name four guys, again, it, it just smacked to me of an excuse. It smacked to me of an excuse of like, oh, you know, this is another reason why I can't get my squad together. I can't get my team together because as a result of COVID and illness and injury, I'm having to name four goalkeepers in a, in a 25-man squad. Be brave. I, I know you don't want to recklessly gamble and you don't want, I mean, you know, somebody said the other day, what if, what if Wilson gets injured? Well, what if Freddie Woodman got injured tomorrow? Then what would you be left with? Not an awful lot. But I'm sorry, sometimes you have to play the percentages. Sometimes you have to think to yourself, OK, let's just trust in what we've got and, and hope it's it's right, you know, um, because I just don't think there's any point wasting a fourth spot in a 25-man squad on a goalkeeper who, once everyone's fit, won't even see the light of day and is a complete waste. Next two games, Leeds at home, Manchester United away. They come thick and fast. It's an unforgiving league. What do you see us getting out of those two games, mate? Is it not Man United away first, is it not? Man United away, yeah. Sorry, then Leeds, yeah. Yeah, yeah Man, well, I mean, the, the thing that made me laugh about Man United was the whole Ronaldo scenario. And, and for once, and it probably in the last 20-odd years, has probably only happened, I'd probably count them on one hand, that, that TV haven't taken Newcastle against Manchester United. So this year, they've decided not to take it. And lo and behold, it turns out to be, and is going to be, Ronaldo's debut. So I, I still don't know that they won't come up with a means uh, to, to manage to wangle it as a TV game. So anyway, that's I've got my I've got my ticket to so at least at least we'll see Ronaldo's return. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell you what, on that subject, by the way, let me just say all the people who are telling me, and there's one or two journalists in the Northeast who are telling me it's a ridiculous buy, I think, genuinely, I think he could win them the title. Because I'll tell you something about Ronaldo. You might not like him as a person, but unlike the little fella who's just gone to Paris Saint Germain he steps out of his comfort zone time and time again. He, he he makes Man United the team they were in the 90s. He then goes to Real Madrid. He then goes to Juventus. You know, the fella wants a challenge. And he's gone to Manchester for a challenge. And I tell you what, he could win them the title. I really do think that. Those people who, who, who dismiss Ronaldo as a stunt, do it at your peril. Because the fella is an absolute diamond of a footballer diamond of a footballer and I hate the thought that we're going to be there as the opposition for his for his uh, his re-emergence at Old Trafford with Pogba playing and Greenwood and all these so you know you would fear the worst but you know going back to the fixtures after that Leeds at home um, Watford I think and then Wolves you know as I said before Steve that you know that the, the fixture list could have been could have been less kind to us whether we can win these games, whether we can pick up points, I don't know. We're, we 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 have to wait and see. But I I do think I do think you know the fixture list could have been less kind um, as it is. Man United away with Ronaldo, fear the worst. Yeah, me too. Uh, Mick, as always, great to have you back on. And uh, just a couple of people asking, uh, Mick should be a permanent fixture. Mick's agreed. Uh, last time we are on, we're going to have uh, Mick on. Just my holiday uh, curtailed it a little bit. So uh, I'm back. Say, you, you told me that. And you, I said, Steve, I love these people. I want to come on. I'll do whatever you want. And then I never hear for you for two weeks. <laughs> and that, and, I and had to have some time off. I, and I look online and he's at fucking Abbey Road. He's in, he's there, he's in, he's in the sky garden. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how much I love you, Mick. Yeah, yeah. No, Classic. Whenever you, want, whenever you want. Great stuff, mate. We'll get you on uh, uh, next, you know, the next couple of weeks. Obviously, no games next week, international yeah. weekend. So, uh, well, I think we'll all be having a, a bit of a break then. But uh, we'll get you on uh, when the next set of fixtures uh, start up. Have a great bank holiday, Mick. And uh, I'm back. Have I'm back tomorrow with Holly tomorrow night at six o'clock. Look forward to seeing everybody then. Take care. Have a great Keep afternoon. Faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Bye bye.